We're so glad you've tuned into Soul Talks. We're Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors of psychology and spiritual directors. We want to help you thrive with Jesus in life and leadership. Your ministry is urgently needed by the people around you, but if it depletes your soul, it'll hurt you and the people you love. Our unique spiritual psychology helps you to cultivate intimacy with Jesus, emotionally healthy relationships, and fruitful ministry. We appreciate you supporting this podcast. You can donate online at soulshepherding.org. Well, Bill, we just celebrated my birthday, and it was kind of neat because on my birthday I was thinking about what's, you know, what's something that I want this year, as I start this next year, I thought, oh, I want to memorize Psalm 16 because this, the scripture passages that I've memorized, when I've memorized chapters or Psalms have just been such a blessing. And that's one of the ones we use in our institute, Soul Shepherding Institute, that I hadn't yet memorized. And I was feeling drawn to that. And so it's been a great blessing. We went for a walk and I asked you to say it out loud because I knew you knew it and you helped me to memorize it on our walk. And it's been such a blessing to be meditating on that. It was so fun to do that together as we were walking on the bluffs there in Cambria, California on the coast and just going over it line by line through Psalm 16, which is so often quoted in the New Testament. And you're a quick study, Christine. Well, no, the Holy Spirit gave it to me for my birthday because <laughs> that was the fastest and easiest I've ever memorized one. So I'm, I'm receiving that and, and grateful for that. But one of the things, one of the lines in that Psalm is, as for the saints in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I've been enjoying thinking about that because as I memorize, I have to keep going over it many times a day or I'm going to lose it. And so I get to, I get to keep going over it. It's a blessing to do that. But as for the saints in the land, honey, you and I take such heart from the saints. It's Mm -hmm. helpful for us to look at the saints, at God's people. And it's one of the things I'm so thankful for in Soul Shepherding is we get to interact with the saints in the land here who are listening in with us on Soul Talks and who contact us through the website but also saints from the past. Yeah, so we've watched some movies about Mother Teresa recently and went to a play on her life, and that was really inspiring for us. Also really challenging and gets into our subject today, as we're going to be talking about when you don't feel God's love anymore. And after she died, it was uh, her letters to her spiritual director were made public, and we learned that she lived for decades in spiritual dryness, and she didn't feel God's presence, even though she was sharing with everybody else. So it, it brings up kind of a confusion or wrestling. There's parts of us that maybe look at that and idealize her and think, wow, how did she do all that she do? How did she persevere in such, you know, amazing work for the Lord and testimony of the Lord with such a dark night that lasted so long and that intense spiritual dryness? And when we feel that spiritual dryness, are we supposed to respond with just this acceptance that, oh, I guess this is just what it's going to be now? Yeah, there's so much to admire about Mother Teresa, her compassion and her service to the poorest of the poor and the the broken and the hurting. Uh, It's sad for her that she went all those years without experiencing the the touch and the warmth of God's presence. And, you know, we don't want to, uh, we want to just honor her life and her legacy and her ministry. But it does, it does bring up the question for us personally in our own lives when, when I'm not feeling God's presence. Uh, which, of course, you and I both experience that from time to time. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, emotions are like that. Circumstances of life are like that. And there's just times that we don't feel close to God. We've been through seasons 
uh, with the dark night of the soul. This is one of the things that we really unpack in our Soul Shepherding Institute. There's just a, a lot to talk about here to understand yes, the difference between a dark night of the soul and depression and uh, this work of, of God's grace that's a, a strange work, uh, what John the Cross called a, a bright blinding light that actually God is very close, but he's doing a purifying work. How do we differentiate that spiritual reality from some of the things that we can look at psychologically that are going on that are inhibiting us from mm -hmm. experiencing intimacy with God? Right. So this is the space that we, we live in mm -hmm. uh, personally and in our own lives and with other people, particularly uh, in our work of soul shepherding and the spiritual psychology that we offer. So I think the best way to sort this out is through the story of a young man I helped named Darren. Uh, it's not his real name, and he's a pastor missionary. He was in the last year of his MDiv program, and he was working full-time in an urban mission that he set up in Los Angeles. Uh, it was basically a home that he and his wife bought uh, in a poor neighborhood, and they uh, set up camp there to live there amongst the poor, multi-ethnic area, and he would slow down his MDiv program from three years to six years so that he could be devoted to his work there. And I just tell you, I just admire uh, Darren so much. His a very knowledgeable Christian leader, you know, reads the classics, very, very well read in the spiritual life and in compassionate ministry, very gentle and tenderhearted man, very good to other people, humble and generous. So, so like Jesus uh, and just love the way that they uh, opened up their home to their neighbors, uh, inviting them over for meals. He had a workshop in the house where he could build things and he would fix things for neighbors and his wife liked to do crafts with the kids and get together with the other moms and they had extra rooms in their house. They sometimes let people stay in who were having a hard time, cared for the homeless, they cared for drug addicts, they cared for abused women, very powerful ministry. But uh, Darren told me that in spite of all, all this resume of his, that he always felt far from God. Mm. His spiritual life was dry as dust. Mm. And nobody knew that uh, except his wife and me. Everybody else saw, saw his smile and his, his generosity, his great wisdom and his compassion. And he, he helped them feel close to God, but the Lord felt far from him. So what brought him to you? What made him finally realize, I need to talk to somebody about this? Well, it's, like you said, it was lonely for him. You know, just carrying this burden and this uh, quiet darkness, it was bringing him to increasing emptiness, uh, even times of despair, and it was making it hard for him to continue on in ministry. And so he was really asking me to help him sort that out. Yeah, we need help to sort that out when we're in a dark night because we need help. It can be helpful to understand if you are really in a season that is a dark night of the soul, that God is really working in that, that... There is an acceptance of that that's important, but it's also important to look at it. Is it really that, or is there something else? Yeah, so I asked him a lot of questions, and one of the things I asked him, of course, was about his spiritual journey with the Lord, you know, when he became a Christian and how he grew in his discipleship and, and all that. And so he, he talked with me about how he'd been close to his mom, especially, and learned to uh, read the Bible from her and uh, to pray. And, uh, of course, uh, they attended church as a family and took to reading because he's very intelligent and has an inquisitive mind. And so uh, she mentored him in that area. And then he shared with me how he had a special experience of God's love 
which was really powerful. He was in a prayer meeting with other leaders at an urban missions conference. And he says, I had a vision of Jesus that warmed my heart. And that's when I received my call. And so we talked about that, about that experience and how his heart had been really softened and uh, made tender and just the great sense of consolation that he had, the intimacy with God there. And he really rode that for a season, but it just slowly dissipated as he was with people who were, were suffering and trying to help them, as he was in seminary and studying so hard, working so hard. So, you know, we had a series of meetings. I asked him more questions about his history and his family upbringing and so forth. And learned that his dad had worked long hours as a medical doctor and Darren hardly ever saw him except when he was sitting in his chair at the end of the day and reading and relaxing over a glass of wine. And he told me, well, you know, I know my dad was proud of me, but our relationship was, was rather stiff. It was actually kind of like a doctor-patient relationship. He had advice for me and it was always, you know, reasonable and uh, kind but it wasn't, it wasn't warm. It wasn't like a, a father-son closeness. There, there wasn't hugs. There wasn't an emotional connection. We didn't have shared laughter. We didn't play ball together. We didn't get, get greasy side-by-side side under the car. There was just a, a, a distance, a, a formality. What did you feel listening to that? I felt, I felt very sad. I felt a, a little boy in him longing for daddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Longing for um, that touch, to, you know, as a little guy to roll around on the floor and wrestle and play and laugh like I did with my dad and, and did with our kids. And it sounds like some of what he was giving there in the urban ministry was coming out of this vision of what he didn't get. And he wanted that for the, the children and the, the people in his neighborhood there. Yeah, that was one of the things that, that I helped him see was the call to be a wounded healer. Mm-hmm. His relationship with his mom was was better. As I mentioned, she had been a spiritual mentor to him, but uh, she was pretty preoccupied too. You know, her four younger siblings that she cared for, and she was very, also very active in the church, uh, serving in ministry to the needy and so forth. And that's where he got this work ethic, ministry ethic, which is, of course, a good thing, but it was really pulling him out of sort of just his own needs and his own feelings. And, you know, we read in Second Corinthians 9, 7, words that uh, Darren really needed to learn here, how, how to live into. Paul's saying to us, you each must make up your own mind as to how much you can give, how much you can serve and minister. He says, now be careful you don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. One translation says, be careful not to give uh, out of emptiness mm. or out of obligation. Paul goes on, for God loves the person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And that's what Darren was missing was that uh, plentiness mm-hmm. and the, the uh, opportunity to share that with others. He was so focused on other people rather than himself that that was perpetuating this emptiness along with how he was going into his head. Yeah, well, it's easy for us in ministry once we get a kind of a groove and a call and a focus and people know kind of our niche and what we're doing for us to feel guilty if we stop giving it or pull back from it in any way. Yeah, the needs are so great. And so we're focused on 
uh, whether it's the people in our small group, somebody we're discipling, uh, you know, pastor leading a church, uh, the parent caring for a family, uh, the, the needs of others are compelling in, in that God calls us to extend mercy and live out the gospel for people. But we might forget that, uh, well, I, I need love too. And sometimes we think that we ought to be able to just go to God uh, in quiet and in secret and, and get that connection. But sometimes we also need it with people and we need to be vulnerable and broken with a brother or sister. Say more about that. Sometimes we need it with people and we need to be vulnerable with a brother or sister. Well, that's what Darren was learning to do with me. And, but he didn't have that in his life. I mean, he had some, certainly had some mutuality with his wife, but they were, you know, a lot about the, the work and, and the partnership of helping people. And, uh, she's pretty intellectual too, and very earnest and hardworking. And so I had to really warm him up emotionally through my interest and attention and just being soft hearted and being uh, in a, a prayerful, emotional presence with him who was glad to see him and uh, really listening with empathy and uh, inviting him to go deeper and deeper and just peeling back the, the layers of the onion there. And you saw him respond. Yeah, he, he began to, to feel, you know, he needed to learn how to sort of put words to his emotions and so forth and how to connect in relationship. That was, you know, really a big deal. Unpacking for him, Jesus' teaching, you have not because you ask not ask, your joy might be full, and just uh, sending him off into some Bible study and meditation on that, that, you know, Darren, you don't really do that. You don't really, um, you're quite hesitant to ask for things. Even here with me, I would tell him, you know, I mean, you're here to get help, but uh, if I let you, you sort of drift off and you you're just talk all about other people and the ministry. And That's really helpful. You have that objective view of him to, to mirror that back to him, to help him to see that to give him that perspective. And then that invitation from the Lord, the Lord wants him to ask. Yeah. Well, you're choosing your words carefully there, Christy, about the mirroring, because you know, that's, that's what we all need. We see that most obviously uh, in an infant and we've got a new one in our family now with uh, baby Juliet, (laughs) five weeks old now, and uh, just getting that mirroring going uh, face to face and voice to voice with her. But we need that all through life. Yeah. We forget that. Well, and if we haven't experienced that um, warm-hearted, glad-to-see-you, emotionally connecting, I'm here with you presence, then we don't really know what we're missing, Mm -hmm. and we don't know how to ask for it. Right. And that was the position that Darren was in. See, I I had to help him ask. Mm -hmm. You you might think that, well, he's asking for help from me, he's paying to, to talk with me, and at one level he was, but unconsciously, without realizing it, he was defeating the very uh, empathy and grace and compassion that he needed because he kept going into his head, kept talking about other people, you know, judging himself, uh, th- these kinds of things. So I had to sort of spot those defense mechanisms and, you know, gently say, you know, well, let's, let's come back to how you feel here. Now, I, I think you're trying to tell me that you need some understanding here, and that you need to know that God is with you. How, how would you describe that? You know, so I just keep keep bringing him back, and so feeling his emotions and needs is a big deal. That's part of his his spirituality, and learning to um, trust the ministry of spiritual hospitality for himself. Mm, that's really big because he'd been given a lot of that. 
Yeah, he's all about hospitality for others in their home, but also spiritually, relationally. You know, they were providing a safe harbor for broken people and people with a lot of pain and struggle in their life and just pouring out so much compassion. Well, they need that for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so important. It's the only way to be a cheerful giver. You need to be receiving. Yes. And we can't live off of a, a great connection that we had with God 10 years ago forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe God would ask Mother Teresa to do that, but I, that's not what we want to accept as the norm. Yeah. So we go through seasons, you know, where we're not feeling God's presence. We certainly have given moments, even in the good times that we're not, but we, we can learn to go deeper. A lot of times this is wrapped up in our psychology and some uh, woundings from the past. So the other thing that I did with Darren was to uh, work in some spiritual discipline experiences. I do want to offer sort of a disclaimer that uh, sometimes people like us who are spiritual teachers and into spiritual formation, we can just offer a lot of disciplines and the different exercises that we can do to grow in God's grace as though that would solve everything. But, you know, some people aren't ready for those treatments. They need the the relational care, maybe a healing prayer ministry, maybe being in a small group and having a sense of belonging, maybe some basic teaching from the Bible. There's a lot of things that we, we need in our, in our formation that are more of a community nature or more relational than doing a particular discipline with the Bible study or prayer, particularly something I do you know, by myself. That's really important because we live in such an age of independence that we value our independence and what we can do. And so that's really important that you're bringing that perspective of community, of receiving from an ambassador of Christ. So in that context, with the relationality and him coming to life emotionally, uh, I had him work some spiritual disciplines, which he, of course, was very interested in because that was stuff that he worked into his discipleship program there in his urban mission there. But we talked about things like contemplative prayer, uh, where you take a passage of scripture, a phrase, and breathing it in and out, something we've talked about on Soul Talks before, and it's a one of the uh, resources that is, fills up our book, Your Best Life in Jesus' Easy Yoke, is different breath prayers from the Bible, how to do these, different, different rhythms and pacings. Because when we put it, putting our body into the, the praying, it helps us to experience it. Mm-hmm. It brings God's word from just being maybe a thought into something that we can feel, hopefully, and yes. trust and, and, and know not only in our thoughts, but also in our, in our desires and in our bodily sense. I helped him with using nature as prompts to praise God. So things like uh, trees, birds, clouds, and of course there are scriptures that talk about these things. God makes the clouds his chariots and he sings over us like a bird. And So uh, appreciating the, God's nearness and presence and beauty and receiving nurturing from God in, in nature, it sounds like. Yeah, the, the rhythms and beauty of nature are so powerful mm-hmm. to restore our soul, the way they manifest God. And so he needed to take some time for that in quiet and to see that, you know, that's actually, as we often say to people in the retreats that we lead for soul shepherding, we'll say, you know, right, right now, you know, you've disconnected from family, from the people you minister to, and you might feel a little selfish about that. But actually, this is an important way that you can love those people. Mm-hmm. Because by getting the nourishment that you need in your own soul, you can get into that position of overflow, like yeah. we just read from the Apostle Paul. 
uh, I encouraged him to find some artist pictures of Jesus ministering to people of different ethnic groups. And uh, he put those around his house. And we talked about how Jesus was the minister to all these people in his neighborhood that he and his wife cared for. And of course, he knew that, but getting his body operationally aligned with that so that he's, he's connecting with people, not so much as this is what I'm doing for you because I'm a pastor, but this is uh, how Jesus is caring for you and I'm joining Jesus in that. So yeah, there's a number of different things like that. I guess another thing I mentioned is I had him singing the Psalms because it's something that's really blessed and ministered to me personally. But here again, that's something that can help to uh, activate our our emotions to like like you, Christy, memorize Psalm 16 and say it out loud. Even if you're reading it, you can just speak it out loud with exuberance, with emotion, maybe maybe even sing some lines there like, like the monks do in the monastery. So you were giving him some great ideas of some new disciplines that were life-giving to him, but I'm thinking that there was something else that he really received from you that was really powerful and important. Well, I think that the, it's the combination of all this uh, came across to him as uh, spiritual empathy, mm-hmm. meaning uh, as Christ's ambassador, he sensed how I uh, was ministering the Lord's presence to him. And so he said to me one day, he said, I used to think I needed your advice. But what really matters to me is that I feel understood. Mm-hmm. I don't feel so alone anymore. Yeah. Sometimes during the week as I pray and serve, I feel a certain warmth mm-hmm. that I realize is God's presence. And that, that made me cry inside. It's like, oh, yes, thank you, Lord. That's exactly what we were after, and see, is, is facilitating that intimacy with God. So was Darren in a dark night of the soul? You know, maybe. I, I, I never want to tell somebody you are or you're, you aren't, because I think that's a very holy, sacred thing. I think that's between the Lord and the person to sort of discern. But uh, in that process, uh, if it was a dark night, he came out of it. Mm. And uh, he came into a greater sense of the joy of the Lord being with him. Not that he always felt that, but right. the, it was a reset mm-hmm. deep in his soul. And it had to do with him getting more in touch with his feelings and being vulnerable in his relationships and then integrating that with his reading of scripture and other books, his practice of spiritual disciplines and his ministry. So he wasn't just doing stuff by, by working hard, but he was doing it with Jesus, not only theologically, but even operationally, personally in his body. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord God, we just uh, pray now, Christy and I, just as we're joining our hearts here, Lord, praying for our listener uh, who is feeling disconnected from you, Lord, and there are thousands of people listening to us uh, right now, Lord, and they are just crying out to listen to you and to feel your presence. And we're concerned, Lord, for, for those who it's been a long time since they've felt the warmth of your loving kindness. And they're just longing for that touch, Lord. And how we pray, uh, Father of mercies, uh, for you to show your nearness, to uh, soften their hearts with your grace, and to help our friend to see that the Abba of Jesus is her Abba, his Abba. Yes, Jesus, Take our friend in your arms. Mm. 
and minister that, that warm hearted presence. You're with them, whatever they're feeling. Give us the language of feelings, Lord, of emotions and learning how to talk about our inner self and our needs and how to find you in that. And we just pray, Lord, that we uh, would learn better how to serve you, how to lead others out of the overflow of your living waters that are splashing into our souls that we could share with those around us. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Did you know that every day, thousands of people access Soul Shepherding resources? There's a treasure trove of free content on soulshepherding.org to help you thrive with Jesus in life and leadership. We also sell some books and booklets for soul care, devotions, and small group curriculum. A great place to start is our book, Your Best Life in Jesus' Easy Yoke. It will help you and your friends to overcome stress and anxiety and live in the peace and grace of Christ.